0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the 29th episode of Believe in the Long Run. I am your host, Dom Santina, glad to be back with you for another episode. And before we get to introducing this week's guest, we're going to take a second just to thank Grayson Murphy for joining the podcast last weekend, talking about her trail running and everything involved with her running career. We thank her for taking time out of her day to sit down and talk about all that. And we'd like to just talk about our social media. Once again, before we get started, you can find us at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and the Long Run 5 on Twitter. Make sure you go follow those so you can stay up to date with everything going on with the podcast. And then, of course, go check out our previous podcast episodes. Just scroll down on your favorite s- podcast platform, whichever one you're listening on right now, and go check out our 28 other episodes that we have recorded as well. Now we'll get started with introducing our next guest to the podcast. And before we talk about what she has accomplished, and boy is there quite a bit in her relatively short professional career, I do have to extend a very sincere apology. A couple of the things I talked about. I don't know if anyone actually listened when this first came out. It was out for about a day or two. Then I got notified that I had misspoke and a couple things that I had said were off just a little bit. So I want to send my deepest apologies to Dominique Scott, who is our guest. So Dom, I greatly apologize. I know we've talked back and forth for the last couple days. You've achieved a ton in your career, and I want to make it right and make sure I have all your accolades and times and everything correct. I don't know where I messed up there, but I am sorry, and I hope we have it right now, and everything's going to be good here on out. We want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come join us on the podcast, and it's a huge, huge accomplishment to have you on the podcast. So, that being said, Dominique Scott is our Guest this week on the podcast. If you don't know who she is, well, you might be living in a bubble if you're an active runner and follow the running community because she is a big time name and only continuing to get bigger. We're going to talk about her stuff just here in a second. But if you don't know who she is, well, take a listen because she's going to give a great interview here in just a second and we hope you enjoy it. But Dominique Scott. Started in South Africa, that's where she was born and raised, transitioned to Arkansas. She'll tell us about how that happened. And then in college, she achieved quite a bit. She was a five-time NCAA champion in the indoor 3K, twice a DMR national Champion, champion. And then we'll talk about it in the interview as well, but she was a 5K, 10K national champion Pulling the double in the same day. So we'll hit on that in the podcast as well. She was a multi time runner up at each of those distances as well. She placed third at the 2015 NCAA Cross Country Championships, was the 2015 NCAA Indoor Runner of the Year, three time SEC Cross Country Champion, three time SEC Indoor Champion, and four time SEC Outdoor Champion. After college, she signed with Adidas, began running all over the world, met the qualifying standards for South Africa, and became an Olympian in the 2016 Rio Games, running in the 10K. She has all intentions, and she'll tell us about them, to qualify for South Africa again in 2021 now. And we'll give you a couple of her times just before we bring her on. In the 3K, her time is 8.41. 5k is 1458 and 10k is 3143. Some pretty impressive times. Not to mention, has she done her work on the track? She's also done some off the track, and she'll talk about that and more. So, as you can see, she's already accomplished quite a lot in her short professional career. So, with that being said, I think we summed up her journey to this point very well. Let's have her discuss it in depth and bring her aboard. So let's welcome Dominique Scott to the podcast. On your mark, get set. To Welcome Dom Scott to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, no problem. We'll get right into it with the first question. How did you get into running to begin with?
0: So I first got into running when I was pretty young. I was about seven years old. My mom was actually the coach of cross country at my school. So I just like immediately um, fell into cross country. I don't think it was even really a choice. It was just something that I always knew I was going to do. Um, But I did play pretty much any every sport and any sport that i could fit into my schedule so growing up in south africa we didn't have all the same sports as um are offered in the states um in the summers i swam i did team swimming and water polo and tennis and in the winter months i played field hockey netball and ran cross country um and it was kind of through the other sports that i found that i was a good runner. I was able to make like the A team or the A squad, but I think it was really because I was a good runner and I could go, I was like quick and, um, in the, on the netball court or, um, on the hockey field, I was able to like run and fetch the, the balls that were about to go out of bounds, um, that type of thing. So it was almost through my other sports that I actually realized that, um, if there was a sport that was going to take me anywhere, it was going to be running.
1: So what was your training like as a young kid growing up in South Africa?
0: Yeah, um so when I was when I was young when I was 7 years old I was really just playing. Um my parents got given some really good advice when I was young. They said let Dom play as long as she wants, Um, you know, don't have her specialize in a sport, um, which was great advice, and I'm so glad that my parents were told that and that they also listened to it. Um, So my parents really put no pressure on me. Um, I think even though they knew that I had potential to be a good runner, uh, they allowed me and encouraged me to play every sport that I wanted to. So as a a seven-year-old, I was really just like – playing any sport I could play, and that was my training for for cross-country races. It, it was only when I was in grade four, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, that I went to our state tryouts for the state cross-country team, and I came 44th. You had to be top 12 to make the team, so 44th was not going to cut it. And after the race, I remember I ran up to my mom. I was in tears, and my mom asked me, why are you crying? I said, isn't it obvious I didn't make the team? And she was like, well, you don't practice. (laughs) And it was in that moment that I realized that if I wanted to be good at this, if I wanted to be good at anything that I needed to practice, I couldn't just expect to be good. So it was only after my fourth grade year that I actually started training um, for cross country and, um, you know, would actually go on runs, with my mom or sister in the evenings um, or before school or whatever it was. I can't quite remember when we would do them, but it was only when I was probably 11-ish, 11 years old, that I actually started, um, I want to put in parentheses, like training, because I was probably only running like two or three kilometers. Um, I was pretty lucky growing up. We lived next to a forest or what we call in South Africa a green belt which is pretty much just like a strip of forest and it runs for quite a few miles kind of zigzagging in and out of neighborhoods. Um, It may get broken up by a road now and then and you just cross over the road and then the green belt keeps going. So I would just run in the green belt with my mom and sister um, and that was my training as a youngster.
1: Yeah, you bring up a really good point because I feel like one of the things that we have a big problem with here in America is that burnout and being pressured at such a young age to specialize in a sport. My parents did the same thing, just as long as I was active, they were okay with it, but never really put any pressure on me to run a, do a certain sport, and I think that's a really big point that you make, and I, I really agree with that one.
0: Yeah, I think I think it really is important, and I think you can see the proof in that um, with the professional athletes. Um, even. A lot of my training partners the girls and the guys that i train with now at a professional level most of them didn't specialize in running at an early age most of them were playing a big variety of sports or maybe they had one or two sports that they were somewhat specializing in but they weren't running um and only once they got older did they actually realize you know they had potential in running and started to put more effort and more focus on running. And I do think that that helps for one, burnout, and I think also, too, just making you a, well, a good, well-rounded athlete and, you, and working on all your little muscles and tendons and, and not only running in a forwards motion, um, but actually developing like your lateral movements and your lateral and vertical movements and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. It's perfectly said. What made you want to come to America? Or the states
0: yeah that's a that's a really good question um so i actually do have some family in the u.s um my dad's brother his wife so my aunt and my cousin grew uh, they live in raleigh north carolina and when i was 12 years old my dad brought my sister mom and i over to the states for the very first time we came over for the christmas holidays to visit my family in North Carolina and on that trip I was only 12 years old but for whatever reason my uncle and aunt wanted to show my sister and I the universities in Raleigh so we drove around looking at um, NC State and uh, Duke and I think Chapel Hill was one of them Um, so I got to see some incredible campuses and it was on that one afternoon drive that I realized the opportunities that the U.S. offers their student-athletes and that, um, you know, if I was able to earn a scholarship to the States, that I could go to one of these incredible universities and, um, you know, the the possibilities would just be endless. Um, So it was really on that trip, my first trip to the U.S. and seeing these incredible campuses that the dream was born to earn a scholarship to the U.S.
1: That is a pretty cool trip. How did you find? How did you find Arkansas?
0: That's a funny, a funny story. My husband Cameron um, thinks the story really just goes to show how little I knew about the states before I got here. Um, so. My mom was very helpful in helping me fill out all the NCAA paperwork online, which allowed coaches in the U.S. to recruit me. They were allowed to call me once a week, I think it was. Um, And at the time, most of them would call me on a Friday afternoon, I think after they got done with their practices. Or maybe it was Friday morning for them. It was my Friday afternoon. And I remember I would always look forward to these phone calls. It was so fun chatting to them. I thought all the coaches had, you know, such strong American accents and, um yeah it was it was just really fun and the three coaches that I really enjoyed chatting to one was the head coach of Arkansas the coach of Nebraska and the coach of Washington State uh, the Huskies so a huge variety and from And I decided to go and visit those three schools. So those three schools split a recruiting trip for me to fly over to the States. I first went to Washington State, then Arkansas, and then Nebraska. Obviously three very different schools, um, you know, all in different conferences, different regions, different budgets, different, you know, track team history, just like completely different. I think that's why Cameron thinks it's so funny. Um, But out of those three schools, I just fell in love with Arkansas on my recruiting trip. They had a great group of girls there at the time. They still have a great group of girls. Um, And Coach Harder, um, he just seemed like such a good guy. And I felt like he was going to be able to get the best out of me. What I really... um, appreciated or respected was he showed me, he kind of had like some graphs showing the progression of his athletes from when they come in as freshmen or, you know, high school seniors to when they leave his program. And there was just, you know, such a good improvement for the majority of his athletes. And I knew from that, that he knew how to coach female distance athletes and that if there was someone that was going to get the best out of me, it was going to be him. So, for multiple reasons, uh, I chose the University of Arkansas.
1: Coaching always has to top the list. When you have a good coach, you can basically achieve anything you want to.
0: Exactly, a coach that believes in you, supports you, um, and yeah, and sees the potential in you is definitely, uh, yeah, the the way to go.
1: So I mean, we could go on and on about all the things you've achieved, but what do you think? contributed to that success at Arkansas? Was it the coaching or were there other outside factors as well?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, I think obviously it was a lot of things. Coach Harder really was incredible. Um, I don't even think I realized it so much at the time. Um, But now I look back and just realize how good he was for me and how he honestly knew me better than I even knew myself, um, which is obviously a very special trait. Um, I think he just, he understood what I needed and what I needed to perform at my best ability. And he gave that to me and catered to me, um, which was very, very special. Um, I also do just think I had five years, my sophomore year, I was injured during the cross country and the outdoor season. And I think just allowing myself that time to grow, um, and being patient with myself was very helpful. Um, You know, I was lucky from the fact that I didn't come in to the program with like all eyes on me. Yes, I'd earned a full scholarship, so I definitely felt the pressure of that and wanting to um, show my worth of, you know, having a full ride, but I didn't have like the NCAA and flow track and all the other media outlets kind of like looking at me, expecting me to be great. So I feel like I was kind of given that time to grow and learn the ropes of the NCAA and just, you know, being in the States and all of that. And I think giving myself that time to grow, um, was really important as well.
1: Well, one thing that definitely put you on everyone's radar was in 2016 when you won not only the 5K National Championship, but the 10K National Championship as well. What went into winning both of those?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, well, yes, it was definitely a very, very special, exciting day. Um, you know, I think my college career was, it, it had steps to it. Nothing just like happened overnight. Yeah. Um, I think if you maybe look at paper, it looks like, oh my gosh, Dominique, you know, all of a sudden was winning national titles, but I definitely, like every season I was making you know, some gains, some seasons bigger than others. Um, but actually in 2015, I got second in both the 5K and the 10K at the NCAA Championships. So I feel like I'd paid my dues uh, by coming runner-up in 2015. And then 2016, when I was a senior, I was able to go and um, actually take the crown in both of those events. Um, yeah, a very, very special day.
1: Yeah, I could only imagine. Do you have a favorite moment from your time at arkansas or maybe a couple if you have to think about it
0: yeah um yeah i have a couple um my first one would probably be when i became an all-american for the first time it was in cross country my red shirt sophomore year i got 28th at Terre haute and coach harder hadn't had an athlete be an all-american in quite a few years. I don't know exactly, but it had been a while. Um, So it was very special. Um, I remember it was just one of those typical freezing cold days in Terre Haute. And um, with about 800 meters to go, I was around 40th position. And I heard some spectators like counting out the numbers, you know, like 40, 41, 42. And I just had this like, like thoughts flash across my mind of, I do not want to spend Thanksgiving break being disappointed having come 41st. So I made this huge surge the last 800 meters um, and was able to pass quite a few girls and finish in 28th position. And I remember that being very special. My next one was probably the most special moment at Arkansas was in 2015 in the indoor season. We hosted the NCAA championships at Arkansas at the Tyson indoor track and we knew we had a really good team um, and the, the potential to win the national title as the team, like the team title. But Arkansas had actually never won a female team title before. The boys' team with John McDonald had won like 41 or something, some huge number, but the female program had never won a. a national team title before nor had any other sporting code female sporting code on campus ever won a national title and the first night Friday night I anchored the DMR to the win and it was just like such a great start to to the to the program or to the championship um, and then I came back the following night and won the 3k and those those 10 points secure, secured the win for Fayette, or for Arkansas. Um, and then, so that was like super special. I remember going into the tent afterwards, and Coach Harder is just like beaming, knowing that, you know, we've wrapped up the win. The only other event was the 4x4. Four four and I think we did really well in the 4x4. Four four. We may have even won it as well, but my points from the 3k had secured the win and then i went up got my trophy on the podium come off the podium and cameron my boyfriend at the time proposed um in front of all my friends and family because we were in fayetteville and my parents had flown out from south africa to be there so that was definitely uh the highlight of my uh career at arkansas my first first national title individual win and um first team win ever on campus and then Cameron proposing as well so that was quite a big day
1: yeah I don't think it could get much bigger could it (laughs) No. yeah I definitely have to say there's no beating that one for sure (laughs) what went into the decision to sign with Adidas
0: um I mean to be honest not too much I'd always loved Adidas as a brand. Um, I'd actually grown up running in Adidas shoes. My mom had had a relationship with Adidas South Africa when she was running somewhat professional. My mom was a very good ultra marathoner in the South African scene when uh, she was probably in her like, 30s. Um, there are two really big ultra marathons in South Africa. One is called the Comrades Marathon and the other is the Two Oceans Marathon. And she had done pretty well in those year after year. And so she ran for Adidas South Africa. So because of that, I'd grown up running in Adidas shoes, had always loved the brand, kind of had this family connection. And then when I was Getting ready to graduate, I heard that Adidas was interested in sponsoring me, and it just felt like such a good fit, um, and, you know, just knowing that they wanted to sponsor me was, you know, really, really cool, really exciting, um, you know, it was a brand that um, has a really good footprint in running, knows what they're doing, um, and yeah, I was just excited to represent them.
1: Yeah, it sounds like uh, it was a right fit. Yeah. All right. The Olympics in 2016, what was that experience like?
0: Oh my gosh. Um I think my word for that experience is just surreal. Um so I go from, you know, winning the 5K, 10K at Nationals a, a few weeks later signing with Adidas, then I get to run in my first Diamond League ever and represented adidas for the first time which was the monaco diamond league you can't beat that and then about a month after that i get to fly to rio and represent south africa um, in the rio olympics which had obviously been a dream of mine growing up um and so it really was a surreal experience i actually got pretty nervous the weeks leading up into the olympics i feel like um there isn't that much support for track and field, unfortunately, normally, until you get to the Olympics. And then, you know, everyone's a fan of track and field. And I had people who don't really understand track and field kind of coming out and supporting me and, you know, being excited to watch me on TV. And all of a sudden I felt this pressure. And I went from just being excited that I would earned my spot to represent my country at the Olympics to all of a sudden feeling like I had people expecting me to do something great um, and so that got me really worried and nervous about it and it took it took a friend and Cameron kind of talking to me and making me realize that I'd earned my spot on the starting line that I deserved to be there whether I was you know going to be first or last in the race I had earned my like the right to be an Olympian to be there to represent South Africa, and that I just needed to go and enjoy the experience and embrace it all. So that was kind of the mentality that I went into the Olympics with. And it was amazing. I mean, just from being in the athlete village surrounded by athletes from all sporting codes that I'd grown up watching on TV that were now eating in the same cafeteria as me and, you know, playing their warm-up tennis matches like on a small little tennis court in in the athlete village, feeling like I could reach through the fence and touch them, Um, you know, walking past some athletes on our way to either the cafeteria or the medical tent or something, athletes that, you know, I follow on Instagram or, you know, watch competing um, in like the CrossFit games and stuff like that. It was just so cool. And then actually getting to put on South Africa's green and gold uniform and represent them for 25 whole laps um, with my parents and Cameron's family in the stand. It was just surreal.
1: (laughs) So I know stateside we have, you know, the Olympic trials and stuff like that. What does it take to qualify for the olympics in south africa
0: yeah so south africa you have to run the a standard sometimes they even bump the standard up a little bit because they want to make sure that um that you're going to make the final or possibly even medal um for them when you get to the championships and that's on them you never really know how fast they're going to want you to run or you know throw or jump or whatever. Um, and then you have to go to the trials. Our trials are normally in April and that's because of our season, South Africa is in the Southern hemisphere. So right now they're going into their spring summer season and actually track will be starting pretty soon in South Africa. So our championships are normally middle to late April and you have to be at those championships. You, um, you don't have to run a qualifying time at those championships. You do have to come top three and then either have the standard or run the standard past that and then get selected for the team. Um, so it's not quite as black and white as America's as America's process. Um, I think that's because South Africa is a much smaller country than America, so we don't quite have the depth in our teams um, and we don't have as many athletes running qualifying times Um, so South Africa wants you to be at the trials be top three and then you have to go out and you know run the time yourself as well to qualify
1: yeah but it's pretty similar to what we have here at stateside like you said maybe not as strict but quite along the same basis
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think just the big difference is, like in 2016, I was the only athlete with the 10,000-meter qualifying time. Um, And right now, I'm the only athlete with the 5K qualifying time for Tokyo. So I think that's where the difference comes in. There just isn't – there aren't that many athletes that are running the standards, but I think that is because our country is a lot, lot smaller.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it? Mean to you to hold the South African world some South African world records?
0: Um. So I have a couple of record South African records on the indoor track. I don't have any outdoors yet, and that is my big goal. Before I step onto the roads, I really want to get hopefully the ten thousand meter record, possibly even the five k record. South Africa's actually had some. Real superstar distance runners. We've had the likes of Ilana Meyer and Zola Budd. Um, so our South African records actually aren't aren't a joke at all. There aren't. There isn't really a full. Or the, should, let me go back. There is not an indoor South African season. Um, so those records are a lot weaker. So I was able to, I think, run every South African record from the mile to the 5k indoors. Um, But I'm still waiting for that day when I get to uh, break one on the outdoor track. I think that'll be really special. But having said all of that, just having my name next to a South African record is definitely very special and very honored to, you know, own a South African record.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you got to have those goals to keep pushing you forward, right?
0: Exactly. And you got to get, you got to make little steps.
1: Exactly. So, as much as you've done on the track, you've also done off the track. Can you explain to the people listening what the DOM squad is and what you're trying to accomplish?
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. So, the DOM squad has evolved quite a bit. So, it's a bit of a story. You're just going to have to stay with me here. So, I shared the story of when, in 2015, Arkansas hosted the NCAA Championships at um, our... indoor track at in Fayetteville and because it was at home we had lots of friends and family coming in you know I was a favorite to win that 3k national title um so had a lot of friends and family coming in and at the time it was kind of more of like a like a cute little saying that my friends and family would say we're part of the Dom squad, meaning like they're part of my supporting team. Um, So my, or Cameron, my husband now, boyfriend at the time made shirts for, it was like 50 people um, with Dom squad printed on the back, really, really big. um, And all my friends and family wore them for that weekend of the indoor national championships after and every every track season my family would make a new shirt and kind of just like update the shirt either was a new color or it was went from a long sleeve during the indoor season to a short sleeve um, at the outdoor track season, that type of thing. So it was kind of just a fun thing. I think people knew if they saw someone wearing a Dom Squad shirt at one of the national championships that it was either someone that was related to me or a close friend. So that was pretty fun and I always enjoyed um, and appreciated my family doing that for me. It was really, it was really special. Then when I graduated, um, I wanted to do something to give back to my community. And I was pretty close with a couple of the track, uh, the high school track coaches in Northwest Arkansas, Um, uh, especially the Fayetteville, which was the town that the university was in, Springdale and Rogers, which are two neighboring towns. And they expressed to me how, at junior at uh junior high level is the first first age group that um girls and boys get to start track and field in Northwest Arkansas, but before that in the middle school level, there's no track and field offered. So they get to junior high and they're expected to be racing and competing, but they haven't really learned the basics of running. They haven't um, you know, learned correct form and they don't know the drills yet, et cetera, et cetera. So I decided to start the DOM squad in Fayetteville, which was an all-girls little team of middle school girls from eight years old till 12 years old and I would meet them just once a week for an hour and a half and we would really just have a lot of fun together and I was teaching them the basics of running so we were we were learning correct form drills correct uh correct running drills and teaching them kind of how running workouts are formed um and I had a lot of fun with that there were definitely afternoons that I was tired from my own training and didn't necessarily want to go and coach the girls, but whenever I obviously always showed up and it was so much fun, I would always leave the practice feeling like the girls had given me more than I'd given them. Um, But a year ago, my husband and I actually relocated to Boulder, Colorado so that I could be training at altitude with my training partners out here on a full-time basis. And when I moved out here, the Dom squad uh, kind of fizzled away because the training group was based in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So right now the Dom Squad is kind of gone back to its original roots of whoever supports me, people will ask, hey, can I purchase a Dom Squad shirt? Do you have any Dom Squad shirts? And that's kind of where it is right now.
1: Well, but that's not the only thing you've done either to help the community. You also started the NWA Runners Unite in Fayetteville. What, What is that all about?
0: Yeah um so that was a fun initiative that I was really trying to bring the running community together in Northwest Arkansas um Fayetteville or should I say the University of Arkansas has had so many great runners come through there. And a lot of them do stay in the area. Obviously a lot of them move away as well. But for whatever reason, they hasn't we haven't formulated a like a running club community. So I was training professionally in Arkansas. But I was doing all my runs by myself, like my recovery runs, my long runs, you know, my workouts, they were all solo. But when I was out running on the trails, I would often run past runners that seemed like they were jogging at decent pace. And I would always think like, I should just like turn around and start running with them and introduce myself and, you know, see if I can run with them and, you know, get a running buddy. So the idea of not of NWA runners unite was to bring all these runners together, get them to meet each other and meet someone that they could possibly be running with on a you know weekly basis or everyday basis. Um, so that's how that started. And it was really fun. I got some companies to come in with me. So we'd have like lucky draw prizes and um, we met at different coffee shops in Northwest Arkansas that would either provide free coffee or coffee at a discount after the after the run. Um, it was a really fun thing, and I was really proud of having started it. I think we had the first one, we had around 50 runners. The second one, we had around 70 runners. So it was a, it was a really cool like little thing that I would, had started, and I was pretty proud of it. But then once again, we moved to Boulder, and that kind of disappeared. But um, yeah, that was something else that I started in Northwest Arkansas.
1: Still, I mean, it means a lot for you to give back to the community like that. And what does that mean personally to you to help the community and try to bring everyone together?
0: Well, honestly, selfishly, Arkansas has given me so much. I mean, obviously, they gave me a tertiary education, which I'm forever grateful for. They also supported me throughout my five years at Arkansas. I always felt so loved and um you know, just like supported while I was in Arkansas, I, you know, even though I was from thousands of miles away from Cape Town, South Africa, I felt Fayetteville became my home so quickly. And I felt like all the people of Fayetteville of Northwest Arkansas supported me and my teammates and, you know, wanted us to succeed. So it was really, it was just me trying to thank them for all of that, um, for all of that support that it helped me reach the level of being able to sign a professional contract and run in the Olympics.
1: That's awesome. So you already mentioned that you just moved to Boulder and that's because you decided to team up with Emma Colburn and some of them over there, yeah. what made you decide to join their team?
0: Yeah, so I've said that I absolutely loved Coach Coach Harder, the coach of the Lady Razorbacks in Fayetteville. We had such a good relationship. We still do have such an amazing relationship. I During college, I would always call him in interviews my USA dad, because that's kind of how it felt. He was just such a special person to me. I just always felt like he was there for me and wanted the best for me. But when I graduated and started running professionally, it was pretty hard for him to meet my needs. And obviously, I wanted to be the best runner I could be, but he was the head coach. He still is the head coach of the Lady Razorbacks, and he just had to give his you know, full time and effort to those girls and to the program. Um, and I wanted a coach that was going to be able to travel with me um, and that was you know, going to be able to – give me morning workouts, be at my morning workouts, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so because of that, I started kind of like keeping my ears and eyes open for training groups. Um, But actually, Emma and Joe reached out to me the fall of 2017 and asked me if I wanted to join their training group out in Boulder. I asked I was so excited. Um, it was kind of like just what I was looking for, just when I wanted a change of scenery, um, a change of, you know, being able to have girls to push me and pull me in workouts again, have a coach that could travel with me. But my husband was not so excited. Um, He's from Northwest Arkansas, and he has a great job in Northwest Arkansas, so he was not too keen on moving. Um, It was a few months later, at the end of the 2018 indoor season, when... I finally pulled the trigger and Joe Bossard agreed to coach me remotely. So for about a year and a half, Joe was coaching me remotely. So I was still training in Northwest Arkansas and every so often before a big race, I would come out to Boulder or Crested Butte and be with, um, my training partners for a few weeks, building up to a big race. And then, Um, Late last summer, actually right after the Doha World Championships, Cameron and I moved to Boulder. Cameron decided if he ever wanted to see me, if he ever wanted to see his wife, he was going to have to move. I was just traveling so much between South Africa and overseas for races um, and coming over to Boulder or Crested Butte to train. I was barely ever in Arkansas. So I guess Cameron just finally gave in.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Probably a smart guy to do so. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Boulder is not such a bad place to be. Beautiful
1: place. I love it out there.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a great place to run.
1: So how often do you get back to South Africa?
0: Not as often as I would like, um, but every year differs. In 2018, I was there for, I think, almost three months, but because of COVID this year, I haven't been able to get back yet. I am hoping to go back at the end of this year uh, for for the Christmas holidays, but Pretty much every year I'll be in South Africa for about a month over April, and that's to be there for the track trials or the track championships. And then every other year or every year my husband and I trade off Christmases to get to spend with his family or my family. Um, I am very lucky that my family comes over to the U.S. to visit me a lot as well, so I get to see them um, through that Um, too. But unfortunately, South Africa is just such a long trip. So when you go, you really have to go for a while and make it worth your time and, you know, the jet lag that you're going to suffer from. Um, But yeah, uh, every year it differs, um, but at least once a year for the track championships in April.
1: Well, that's good. That was going to be my thing was, you know, how often you get to see your family. Well, that's good that they come visit you stateside sometime, too.
0: Yeah, my family is awesome at that.
1: Um, What do you love about South Africa?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, It's a hard question because there are so many things that I love. I mean, obviously, it's my home, it's where I was raised. It's, you know, I think, um, you know, it's just the culture that I was brought up in. So I always appreciate it. It's, it's the place that made me who I am today, and, you know, I, I have to be grateful for that. It's the place that made me want to dream big and want to achieve big things, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, I love the weather. <laughs> That's kind of a lame answer, but South Africa um, just has such a great climate, especially Cape Town. Um you know, we don't get too cold. I would say our winters probably get down to like mid forties, and that's going to be as cold as it gets. Um, and the summers, because we're on the coast, the the temperatures are very much moderated by the breeze that comes off the ocean. So it's not. Ever gonna get too hot? Like maybe like high eighties, like maybe low nineties on an incredibly hot day, like you know, a few days a year, and it's not humid either um, because we're on the coast, or yeah, the coast, and we Cape Town has the is on the Atlantic Ocean, so the breeze that's coming off the ocean is a cool breeze, Um, so it's just like, it's just always perfect there, the weather's always perfect, so I definitely love that, Um, the Colorado winters, uh, or just the U.S. winters in general were a shock for me when I first came over to the U.S., Um, I love the culture in South Africa. It's just, like, so rich. It's so diverse. We have 11 languages in the Constitution, which is obviously a huge amount. Um, So there are just, like, there are so many different people and, like, cultures and, you know, like so many different like ways to do things and um like family types and i yeah just like just a rich culture and it just it, they call south africa the rainbow nation um i think that kind of like describes it well there are few, i i don't i don't really know what else i mean there're just like there're just so many things that i definitely love south africa it will always be my home you know i've been in the states now for I think nine years I was a freshman in 2011 the fall of 2011 um and so I've been here for a while but South Africa will always be my home and it will always have a very special place in my heart for multiple reasons
1: oh yeah your home's always got always tops the list but yeah Yeah. that weather that weather does sound perfect like I like my winters but that that if you could pick a temperature range and no humidity. Oh my gosh, perfect. <laughs> yeah,
0: right? Dreamy.
1: That's what I hate the most is those humid hot days. Oh my gosh, that's death for a runner. Yeah, exactly. Um so when you do get a free moment or some free time when you're not traveling all over the world, what do you <laughs> like to what do you like to do?
0: Oh, um I really enjoy cooking and baking. Um, I'm not like creative or anything, but when I have the energy, which is normally in the fall, um, and that, you know, I'm not like training like a crazy person. Um, I have the energy to put some time into my meals, some time and effort into my meals. I really enjoy, um, cooking and baking. I say that I'm not creative from the point that I don't make up my own recipes. I just follow the recipes to a T and they always then turn up perfectly. Um, I have a dog, Bailey. She's about seven years old now and she's just like the sweetest thing ever. So I'd say like playing with her, taking her for walks, like just doing anything with her is normally something I'm doing um, in my free time as well. Um and then I just have, like, a, a really great group of friends here in Boulder. A lot of them are my training partners, and some of them are just other runners in, in the Boulder area. Um, and just, like, hanging out with them, you know, grabbing dinners with them, having brunches with them, um, just just hanging out with my friends. So I guess nothing too exciting.
1: <laughs> no, that's all right. Sometimes you just need that little downtime to get away from everything. Exactly. All right. One last question. This one sometimes seems to be the toughest one. What is? What? What is one thing that you have taken away from running?
0: Ooh, I'm gonna say the one thing that I've taken away from running that I think can be applied to all aspects of life is that hard work is always rewarded. It may not be rewarded immediately, but it will be rewarded eventually. Um, I think if you look at my career from when I was seven years old all the way to being 28 years old now, I've never made big leaps and bounds. All of my um, progress has been in little, tiny little steps every season. and, you know, sometimes it's an injury, but that's made me work on some other things, you know, uh, strength exercises, you know, working on some weaknesses. But I think throughout my season, throughout my career, I've always seen there's been proof that hard work is rewarded. Um, and I think that, you know, it's such a great lesson to carry on into other aspects of life. It's just like if you stay with something, if you keep working hard, if you put in the time and the effort that um, that it will be rewarded, that your effort will be rewarded.
1: (laughs) Great point. And to kind of wrap it up, it kind of goes back to setting those goals things, right? If you have your goals and you have something to work for, and if you keep working towards it, eventually it will pay off.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely also something that's, you know, allowed me to achieve what I have in my career is just having those big goals as such a youngster as a 12 year old having the dreams to earn a scholarship to the U.S. to be an Olympian um, really allowed me to you know dream big and then make the little steps take the little steps towards achieving those dreams
1: well you've made it so far and there's only up from here so
0: <laughs> I hope so
1: all right, thank you for taking time out of your day, Dominique.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on
1: your podcast. Once again, we'd like to thank Dominique Scott for taking time out of her day to join us on the podcast. What an awesome interview it was. It was a great time to sit down and talk to her about her career and just learn a little bit more and hear how she's helped out the running community more and just in more ways than just running you know she's gave back to quite a bit in Arkansas and I'm sure she'll try to figure out a way to do it now that she's in Boulder as well but super nice interview super nice person uh wish her all the best and look forward to following her journey going forward we hope to see her in the Olympics in 2021 representing South Africa and the one thing I do want to apologize for is there might have been a little background noise here and there I was on a remote location, as I had just helped my high school kind of assistant coaching in their pre-regional, and the meet got over at 525, I jumped in my truck real quick, tried to find a secluded spot as much as possible, and get on the call with Dominique. So, if there was a little background noise, I truly do apologize, but please bear with it, and uh, hope you enjoyed the interview. I sure did. It was a fun time talking to her, and like i said we'll follow her going forward and hope to bring another big time guest in next week thank you for listening look to hear your feedback we will see you soon and once again just want to hit the social media again follow us at believe in the long run on instagram and the long run 5 on twitter and go out and check our previous episodes as well we've had a lot of good guests on the podcast so go back and look at previous episodes as well Once again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Go out, follow our social media, follow our podcast. So that way you can stay up to date and stay safe, everyone. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.